My daughter's teacher once asked her class, what's the one thing teachers say that always makes students panic? One of the students nervously called out, pop quiz? I have to admit, I always liked giving pop quizzes, and I felt no remorse about giving them, since they were always on material that the students were supposed to have completed. The funny thing was, I could pretty much tell how each student was going to do based on the look on their faces when I announced the quiz. There was either a look of panic and dread or a look of quiet confidence. Advent is a time of waiting, and although we are not in Advent yet, we are easing our way into the season through a series of gospel stories about waiting, about being alert and ready for when Jesus comes. Today's parable is about being prepared. The basic storyline is easy enough to follow, though some of the customs might be a bit obscure. Jewish weddings at this time included separate celebrations at the groom's house and the bride's house. Then at some point in the evening, the groom would come to the bride's house and everyone in the bride's party would escort the bride in a torch-lit procession to the groom's house for the actual ceremony and the celebration to follow. Just like today, weddings were a time of great joy. In the ancient world, the festivities would typically last for a whole week. Talk about a wedding bill. And there was a lot of waiting, of expectation and anticipation of future joy. One of the privileges of being a minister is watching couples go through all the planning and preparation leading up to the big day, and then seeing the bride and groom on their wedding day beaming with joy and excitement for their future lives together. So this picture of anticipated joy is a fitting image of the consummation of the kingdom of God. Another aspect of the story that's unique is its use of the wisdom tradition. You may recall that the book of Proverbs personifies wisdom and folly as Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, calling out to those on life's path and offering them their respective ways of life. Well, in this parable, the wise and foolish bridesmaids play a similar role. They invite hearers to decide which they'd rather be, wise or foolish. Should probably also note that in Proverbs, as in the rest of the Old Testament, foolishness has nothing to do with intelligence. It's about a conscious rejection of God. The foolish are those who ignore or decline God's offer. Well, in this parable, it's clear that Jesus is the bridegroom and the wedding is the messianic banquet. So the guests at the wedding are waiting with eager anticipation and the bridegroom is delayed. Now there's a nice change from the stereotype. It's not the bride, it's the bridegroom who's late. Well, the guests get drowsy and they all fall asleep, the foolish and the wise. And now this might be just a detail of the story, but it's interesting to note that sleep in the Bible is a very common metaphor for death. And the word that's used when the bridesmaids are woken from sleep is the same word that is used throughout the New Testament to speak of rising from the dead, resurrection. It's the word that Jesus speaks when he takes Jairus' daughter by the hand and raises her back to life. This is one of the main words the New Testament uses to describe Jesus' resurrection. Well, either way, 
the two groups make their respective preparations in life, then they sleep, and then they're raised to see if their preparations were wisely made. To not be prepared for their role in the wedding ceremony would have been a great insult to the family. And the bridegroom's response to the foolish bridesmaids, I do not know you, is in effect the same treatment that they had given to the bride and groom and their families, measure for measure. But don't misunderstand, this rejection is not of those who have always wanted to enter the kingdom. It is a rejection of those who have been invited, but who made no preparations. They knew there would be a quiz at some point, but they never even picked up their books. Now is the time, while there's still time, to make the necessary preparations. If they are made, the wise disciples can sleep secure. They can rest in peace, knowing that all is ready for the coming kingdom. Now, there are several ways to be ready, and in this section of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus tells several parables that highlight some of these ways. He speaks of the homeowner and the thief, and urges us to stay awake, for he will come like a thief in the night at an unexpected time. In the parable of the two servants, he tells us to be ready by doing the work of a faithful servant. He speaks in the parable of the talents of being ready by using our gifts for kingdom work. And lastly, of the sheep and the goats, urging us to be ready by serving Christ in all persons. These are all ways that we show ourselves awake, alert, and ready for his coming. In today's parable, the way in which we are told to be ready is by making preparations now while there's still time. Well, how do we do this? We get some hints from the other parables just mentioned. One of the major themes is that we show ourselves ready by living lives that reflect our citizenship in heaven. We do the work of the kingdom. We care for the poor, the sick, and the needy. We work against injustice and oppression, and we build up the body of Christ. But this parable itself does not give us any specific details about how we do this. It just tells us that we are to keep our lamps burning. When I was on pilgrimage in Israel, one of the sites we visited gave each of the pilgrims a little oil lamp as a souvenir. They said that it was supposed to remind us that we have a responsibility as Christians to let the light of Christ shine through us, to make sure that our lamps are always burning. How do we keep our lamps burning? By making sure that the actions of our lives are oriented to the goal of salvation. Our ultimate hope for the future should have an impact on how we live our lives in the present. Now, there are many ways in which this story is not like a pop quiz. For one thing, our entrance into the kingdom is not like an entrance exam, so you can wet the sweat off your brows. We are invited and welcomed, not because we make good marks in life, but because God is gracious and merciful. But there is a connection, I think, to those pop quizzes that teachers sometimes like to give, the ones that are just meant to test whether the person has done their reading. They are so easy that everyone who read, read the material gets 100, and those who fail this sort of quiz show that they have made no effort at all. And here is where the parable issues a warning to us. It's sometimes easy to miss 
because there's so much joy set before us. The wedding feast, the messianic banquet, which we eagerly await. In fact, whenever I read this parable, I can't help but think of the cantata Wacht auf that Bach wrote for this passage. It shows up in our hymnals as Sleepers Wake. The cantata would actually make a wonderful little musical meditation if you have a little time this afternoon, BWV 140, if you want to look it up. But it gives both the music and the text just a beautiful sense of this excitement and anticipation and joy that awaits us. The danger is that of presumption, that we might presume upon the kindness of Jesus. Of course, we all depend on the kindness of Jesus, but we must not presume on it by following the invitation of the foolish bridesmaids and living our lives in such a way that we give no regard to God's invitation, no regard to God's rule over our lives, and expect to be welcomed nonetheless. Instead, we are called to put our full trust in Jesus and to make whatever preparations we must now in the present to show where our true allegiance lies. As one writer aptly put it, in this parable, Jesus is saying, have your Christian life so in order that when you are surprised by my return, you will be ready. At his return, may he find us a people prepared with pen in hand, with a look of quiet confidence on our faces, and with our lamps still burning so that we might take part in the joyous celebration of the marriage supper of the Lamb.